0: inhale good wouldn't that smell better with farm rich mozzarella sticks in front of you yes find farm rich in the freezer aisle and enjoy all right you're back in the dfsr and it's an nba podcast friday february 1st i'm doug nori that is james davis First day of February, buddy. I can't believe I saw people complaining yeah. that January was too long for them. Have you seen people complain about stuff like this? Like, I don't. I don't really understand the complaint. It's like January took so long. I, have you seen people I, on like social media complain about this? And I just I don't understand. Like no, I've never heard anyone complain. All right, good. Maybe it's just it my always people. has a
1: fixed number of dates.
0: uh <laughs> having that same number of days as I just people. must follow, or be friends with like crazier people than you that just don't make any yeah, sense. I think that's
1: I, probably true in general. I'm also pretty liberal with the old unfollow button because I'm not, I, I like to get mad. Ago, yeah, and yeah, you, yeah. you've. You know this about me, Doug, that uh, my Facebook debate team varsity jacket is like—it's <laughs> always tempting to bust, bust it out of the closet and relive the old days. So well, this guy's a four-year when letterman when it comes to, it comes to arguing people. with
0: people on Facebook, yeah, for sure. Like oh, all yeah, six all... years, prep school, the whole thing,
1: right, right to college, full ride. Um, <laughs> I need to—I need to distance myself from people with really bad ideas, and uh, and even some people I agree with, just the way they talk or the way they go about things. Like, I can find a reason to disagree with people, so. I just try to avoid it. So you get, you mostly get one shot and you post something like, uh, yeah, I, I won't get, I get into too many examples now because I know we got some, we got our big NFL Super Bowl prop pod coming up later. But needless to say, there are many, many people who I'm friends with that never get to show up on my feed.
0: So. Well, buddy, it's an honor to be still be friends with you after all these years knowing and that you As you're... far as you know. <laughs> that as far <laughs> as you know, you're still showing
1: up on my feed. I, I'm not like the many of our mutual friends that have unfriended or unfollowed you based on your (laughs) erratic schedule of every three months posting an oddly political article to Facebook.
0: (laughs) Yeah, if you friend me on Facebook, you will get, like, the 11 o'clock at night Libertarian. Okay, whatever. This is the basketball podcast. Here we go. All right, so we have... <laughs> People like this stuff, buddy. They want to get to know us, you know? I should just do. We should just do a podcast where we just talk about stuff like this. Anyway, um, okay, we're going to talk... There's not that many games for a Friday night tonight, which is pretty rare. I don't know if they're gearing up because everyone's playing on Saturday and then because no one's playing on Super Bowl Sunday, so I'm not sure if, like, this was sort of purposeful with the schedule on Friday night, but there's only five games for Friday, but we have to talk about the trade that happened yesterday. Um... The Knicks send Chris Stapps, Przingis, Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, and Trey Burke to the Dallas for Dennis J- uh, Smith Jr., West Matthews, DeAndre Jordan, and they're going to get a couple picks down the line. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think this year's pick is part of the package. But I, can, I can't remember exactly. But obviously, huge news, a ton of player movement here. And I don't know. I mean, we can talk about the DFS implications, and we're going to actually be able to really look at it today with the Knicks because they do play and. We'll we'll get to them in a second, but just thoughts on the trade in general. Um, and, and we're more of a DFS podcast, obviously, but we like talking basketball and just the greater ramifications of things and like how it kind of plays out as as a whole. What were your thoughts when you saw this trade? Uh, I thought
1: it was like a good trade for the Knicks. Honestly, uh, you know, Whoa. I think I did not think you were going to say. I okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, yeah. Give me give me I the mean, reason I, why. So my initial my gut instinct was that like when you first started texting me about it because you tend to be hotter on the news than I am. Uh, you were like, Nick's going to trade Porzingis to the maps. And we were like, what could they possibly get from the maps that would justify trading away Porzingis? And, you know, we started talking about it a little bit. And essentially, th- what I like about it from the Knicks perspective is Porzingis, I'm not convinced that Porzingis has any track record of showing that he can actually stay on the court for a full 82 game season to say nothing of if his team went into the playoffs. The max number of games he's played in a season was in. His rookie year where he played 72 then 66 and 48 and I think seven foot three um, big men who have to be pretty mobile because he has to get out to the outside in order to shoot rehabbing from a torn ACL there's not like I'm not ready to rip us off by any stretch but I don't see him as just a slam dunk obvious superstar building block going forward that's just my perspective on it I certainly don't see him and this could this be one of those things that won't age well if he winds up... Like he can play this at his Hall of Fame speech or whatever 20 <laughs> years from now. But I just don't see him as the best player on a championship team personally. And what he can do and what he has done for the Knicks is... He's certainly good enough to get you in the bottom end of the playoffs. Or, you know, the the bottom end of the lottery. You know, to, to be one of those middle-out teams. And what, what use is that? That doesn't do anything for the Knicks. They don't have anything around him. They have no championship core, right? And Porzingis enters restricted free agency next summer. So... I think that there's they they could always just match you know if someone else came in with a better offer, but again you're taking on a pretty significant risk. Like one of the biggest killers we're seeing this up and down the NBA right now are max deals for guys that are not max players, right? Yep. Uh, go talk to the Wizards and ask them how it's working out uh, with John Wall and to a lesser extent Bradley Beal. Uh, if you get locked into one of these salaries, like you're just screwed forever. On the flip side, if you get a good one, then you're set forever. So I don't see Porzingis as that guy, and I think getting. Uh, two future picks, which we don't exactly know what they are just yet, and well, the the, the contract in DJ
0: the, the, the expi- and, and Wes Matthews, both both of those expiring, um, is that's yeah. the, what that's what they did. That's they great. traded so, yeah, they- cap space for the future, and who knows how they can use it, right?
1: Like maybe they'll get good players, maybe they won't, but that certainly is an asset. So I uh, yeah, I, I think I just like I don't I don't know what the downside is for the Knicks, right? Like unless unless you believe, and maybe you do, that is really is this. Uh, this generational talent, huge upside player. I mean, he shot thirty nine and a half percent from three last year. That's really good for someone who's seven three. Uh, he can block the ball, obviously, because he's so tall. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm just not as high on Porzingis as most people. I think.
0: Yeah, I think I think in the end, it's a, the, you know the the Knicks are rolling the dice that they're just going to sign like Durant and somebody else, right? Like that's what they're that's what they're sort of hoping is going to happen. If that doesn't happen, I think it's going to start looking a lot worse. Like if 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 it's like Tobias Harris and somebody else somebody else that is just like you know degrees many degrees worse than that Durant Kawhi kind of group Kyrie group of guys is Tobias um, Harris
1: dramatically worse than Prazingis is my question like
0: um is he dramatically I, I would I would think I, yes um I, 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 even though Prazingis might play half the games in a given season
1: like I'd
0: still rather I'd rather roll the dice that Porzingis is good. I, like I, we know it's like you know what Tobias Harris is, and like he's probably hard ceiling. i was just using him as an example of a guy who's like coming up this year who could like get tempted into like some of max money. I think that it's not it is to me it's not as bad on its face as I thought originally when I saw it, and it still could. My guess is if it's going to look real bad for any team. The Knicks are at the risk of it looking much worse for them than it would ever look for Dallas, right? Like, so even if like Porzingis wasn't that good, Dallas didn't end up giving up all that, all that much away. So I think the the risk is much more on the Knicks side, I think. And for the Dallas look, thing, I, I love.
1: I just agree. They're also getting rid of Hardaway Junior. I mean, that guy has was it two more years left at close to seventeen or a little bit over seventeen million a year. That's not not nothing, and he's certainly not a guy who's going to be a building block for
0: the Knicks championship run, right? Um, I don't know. So so, tell, tell me what you like about the Dallas thing. Um, well, I just, I like that they are they're they're taking a risk on a young guy that they could control for a little bit longer. He's going to sign the the, the um, qualifying offer, so like they're going to have to match whatever anyone gets, and they'll probably have to do it, and it's just kind of a risk. But um, and I I agree with you on the Porzingis piece of it, where it's like he's still an injury risk, and I just like if you're a team that wants to take a shot at getting young talent as a core early, then this is the kind of move you make, right? Like they didn't really give money, mu- they they really didn't give, they didn't want Dennis Smith Jr. anyway. Like the, the emergence of Don, uh, Doncic like made it so that he was yeah. pretty marginalized yeah, anyway. A bad fit. So I think DSJ that, I think and just and kind Doc. of trading away like some bad contracts and and the Dennis Smith piece and maybe a draft pick that won't be all that good if Porzingis comes back and plays and is okay. Like, um yeah, I don't mind. All right, let's get into that. We, well, uh, those, aren't,
1: those aren't bad contracts. Getting, I mean, expiring deals
0: are an asset, not a liability. I didn't say they are I, I just meant that they were able to ship pieces away that meant nothing to them to get back something that could be, you know, generational yeah, talent. I maybe. mean, there's like, certainly a high... The high upside... There is upside for them... Um, Correct, and I don't think Sorry. they're. I don't think the downside is all that bad for them either. Like because they just, what did they really end up losing? I'm like they, I, I, not not all that much, especially not for like the next two years. All right, let's get into this five game slate. Um, this is something that's going to come up for us. I think over uh, over time, and just some DFS implications. I think that Porzingis actually might come back sooner than later. There's some speculation he actually will just now play this year. He was going to probably sit out if he was on stall in the Knicks, but I think that <laughs> that he might end up playing this year. So we might end up talking about him uh, further on down the line. We saw what Dallas had. To, they rolled with the skeleton crew last night. And then the Knicks are probably going to be in the same spot, and we'll get into them when we break these games down game by game. First game on the slate, Memphis and Charlotte. Charlotte, four-and-a-half point favorites. Memphis, um, not much injury news here. Memphis is now is playing their starters more than I thought they would because um, I thought they, were, I thought Conley and Gasol were on the trading block, and then it just doesn't seem like they are, like, or they might be, but it doesn't. it's not really affecting their minutes in the short term. Uh, and then we have Charlotte, who uh, Tony Parker's back for tonight. But I'm not really sure what it ends up meaning. Uh, to me, there's uh, there are better games on the slate that have more DFS implications. But maybe you're seeing something I don't.
1: No, not especially. Um, you know, right now in our optimal lineups for both sites, we're seeing precisely zero of the players from this game right. in any of the top ten lineups, uh, with a possible exception of. Justin Holiday, if uh, that suits your fancy, Doug. Nah, I'm gonna end up lowering He'd his minutes to play a little Justin bit too. Justin Holiday as often as you.
0: Can. <laughs> yeah, no, he he ended up only playing. He had been playing like 40 minutes, and I would almost yeah, like he played begrudgingly played him.
1: Minnesota,
0: yeah. Yeah, but then he but yeah, and shot over 10 from the field. So I and I don't know. I'm just like Bruno Cabaco. Uh, <laughs> ended up playing 32 minutes off the bench. I wouldn't even be surprised if they ended up just like maybe switching around their starting lineup here. I just I'm, I'm I'm zero interest in any of these guys. Um what about Charlotte side too? I mean, Memphis is still a slow matchup. They're still—they went to overtime the other night and against Minnesota, only allowed ninety-nine points. I, this is just still a team that, for—they're not a good team, but they still have to just play so damn slow. It's hard to get.
1: Well, they play to, the slowest team in the league, and yeah. I mean, they might not be a good team, but they're still a top-six team in terms of defensive efficiency. You know, yep. they just—they just play weird out there, and they still have some capable defenders at multiple positions. So, and Charlotte's already not a team we're very interested in. So it's very odd to have almost a game that's a full skip on a five-game slate, but that's how this looks right now.
0: Yeah, they, well, that's the problem. All their guys, all their guys are just good at defense, and then Kyle Anderson's like a, a literal complete zero on offense. Guys like this, or, or Justin Holliday's not all that great either. Right, let's move on to a game that does have that relevance we were talking about. Boston goes in and plays New York. New York is going to play this game without any of their. The Dallas guys are not going to make their debut tonight. I don't think so. Um, that's hours. still up in the air. They're 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 uh, doubtful right now. So New York is going to roll in there without. Tim Hardaway Jr. and without Trey Burke and guys like this are not gonna be on the court. And that was, those are guys who are playing a decent amount of minutes. What are, is this one or where we're just maybe hoping we get the starting lineup? Like I, I could see Kadeem Allen starting, I could see Trier and Dotson starting. I'm not like because Burke and Burke and Hardaway is removing two starters from the lineup and they're already without Frank Nicotolina. So they're really starting really, a huge amount of usage too. Yeah. They're, that's they're they're really short on what I would consider to be guards. They have run Trier at times at point guard. Um, so I'm not sure if he gets a start. Are we just kind of waiting on news here? Or it'd be like with Dallas where it's like they're so shorthanded that we'd be fine just rolling Trier, Dotson, Allen, guys like this. And then how do you see it affecting the guys who actually were getting minutes like vonley and uh, Kevin Knox? And I think Luke Cornett is coming back tonight. Like, What are your thoughts here on the Knicks when you stare, when you look at the slate? Because a lot of these guys are coming very cheap.
1: Well, I think Trier is one of the easiest plays on the slate as I look at this. Uh, so he really fits the bill. And actually, Allen kind of fits this bill as well, where we've often talked about there are, there are these different tiers of punt plays yep. and by far the best tier of punt play is a guy who a is already playing some amount of minutes and wouldn't be an absurd play on a short slate right so trier at 4 thousand fantasy point totals at like 21 16 19 playable you know you wouldn't be excited about it and but on a two game slate you could like put him in there and hope for the best we know that a huge amount of opportunity is opening up for him and very thankfully we also have a reasonable proxy for when he's had increased opportunity at the past. and now all of a sudden you're looking at a guy with a 20 fantasy point floor when he plays 28 or more minutes but a 47 fantasy point ceiling and that is exactly where you want to be for dfs purposes so whether treer starts or not famous last words doug but really really hard to imagine he plays fewer than 28 minutes and i think he's active enough he's a, a plus rebounder for the position He can pass a little bit. I think there's just enough there that he becomes something close to a must-play. Allen, I think, is a little closer. Uh, He's been solid recently on the very minimum price. I think I would want to know that he was starting because I I could see a scenario where they start Trier at those point guard and just play Dotson. I'm less enthusiastic about Dotson overall. He's probably the, the lowest guy on this list. Just because he can be a, a full-on disappearing act out there, but but yeah, I think there's a lot to like in the Knicks' backcourt, in spite of them being 14-point dogs here.
0: Yeah, and I think that they're just going to have enough minutes to roll out because they're just missing so many guys. I, they'll probably call up a two-way oh, player What else can to, you do? Yeah, yeah like <laughs> you could you could have a two-way player maybe come out. I haven't seen any transactional notes about if they've done that or not yet. So, um, but I very much doubt that that it's going to that those guys would anyone that came up would eat into much in the way of minutes. This team would be bad enough that they could roll their young guys enough, right? And, like, still lose. Because, remember, the Knicks still have no intent on winning any of these games. They do not want to win a single game going forward for the rest of the season. And they've done a pretty admirable, in quotes, job of tanking so far. And I just, I see that Well, the thing I don't
1: like about the Knicks trade, by the way, that we, that I talked to you about at my initial impression before I realized exactly what they were getting back, was I think it's going to make this hard, it's going to make it harder for them to lose. Like, Matthews and Jordan are just real players that... You know, can credibly fill those roles in ways that their current personnel can't. So, uh, I don't know how well the losing plan. It's going to be tough for them to be the very worst team. I think, I think those guys might... are going
0: to get. I think my, my If I were to guess right now, those guys are both going to get bought out and just be and like DeAndre Jordan's going to like show up on the Rockets or something like that. Like they're going to be like yeah, they're, not gonna be, they're not going to be they're not going to be next for very long. I think they'll buy out the, the the remaining piece of the contract and ship them off on their way. And that'll be and I think that'll be the end of it. So I actually don't think Dennis Smith will stick around, and he might be he might be good enough to like win them a game or two just because he'll just, his usage rate's going to go up through the roof. You would imagine when, <laughs> when he hits this new team, but um, I guess we'll have to wait and see on that on another day. What about Boston side? Are we too worried about blot risk here? Kyrie is coming back, uh, you know, so we're not going to have the chance. I don't think they play Rozier anymore. Uh, does that make, does that really move the needle for you? Or do you think that there's just no, I don't know, Vegas doesn't see this game as staying all that close. Is that, were you on the Boston side of it?
1: Yeah, it does. I, uh, you know, Boston, they are a team that can be very cautious. They they they're like the exact uh, opposite of the Knicks in that they have just a vast variety of options that they can throw at you when games sort of get out of hand. All of which are credible for maintaining or even building a lead too in a matchup like this. So I would be pretty hesitant to play the Boston guys. I, not that I would rule it out altogether. Just because again, if you throw out the Charlotte Memphis game, you're effectively looking at a four game slate and. You know, spoiler alert. You got some other pretty unexciting teams to face on the rest right. of the slate too. Uh, so maybe you can't just throw them out all together. But I would be pretty concerned. Like if in, in my final lineup I had like four Celtics or three Celtics, I would really try to figure out if there was a way I could pivot off them.
0: Yeah, I don't see that end up being the case. I think there's going to be cheap enough guys. Like these next guys are going to come cheap enough that um. You're gonna just be able to just go stars and scrubs like with Westbrook. And we're gonna get and let's just talk about that game now because OKC goes in and plays Miami two eighteen and a half over under OKC four point favorites on the road against the Heat. Uh Steven Adams is questionable right now in our system. I still had Nerlens Noel as grab, drab, grabbing the start, but I think we're gonna have we'll have Adams' status one way or the other. I, I would be my guess going into the seven o'clock lineup block. Mm-hmm. I really hope because this would this would be like a kind of a slate changing thing. The difference between of course, Nerland's- yeah, Noel is a must play
1: if he's in there and he's unplayable if Adams plays
0: so. exactly so hopefully you know famous last words and fingers crossed but we'll have that we'll have the Adams news but i you know Westbrook's a guy that our system is seeing as basically a must play and Paul George almost close with him Paul George is coming at peak prices right now so I want your thoughts on these two guys are these guys are they are we able to sustain these kind of price points for both of them it hasn't Westbrook, I mean, outside of Durant, has really never been able has had never really had another guy that like is crested over him in price. Like <laughs> Paul George is 11-4 right now, and it's just on a pretty ridiculous fantasy run here. Do you see? It's a, not a great matchup against the Heat, but is this a is this a spot for us to just pay effectively on FanDuel? It's yeah, 23,000 for the, for these two guys, and is that does that offer you you think a high enough fantasy floor to kind of roll with that strategy? It's not really been one we've done with Russ in the past, but this maybe is starting to fit the bill.
1: So, it's, it's going to be a yes and a no on this. So, the first piece is that you don't play, well, I think you play Russ regardless just because you're probably going to need some big payoff, but you're not playing George because he's a, a particularly good play here. Um, I actually think that he's dramatically overpriced, and if we do wind up playing him tonight, it'll be the last time we play him all season while his price is over $11,000 uh, just based on what our system sees from him. Uh, this is a guy who averaged 49 fantasy points a game, and while he's on a good like four or five game stretch you could just go back the four or five games previous to that and you'll see a guy who's not an eleven thousand four hundred dollar player uh the bigger question here is do we just have a real dearth of big money payoffs i mean especially say new Orleans Noel gets the start tonight he would be a must play so you can't really play Jokic who's one of the other big money guys Harden you could argue at 13.6 is still potentially overpriced um, and you're going to have some reasonable punt options at shooting guard at least with the Knicks guys, and then all of a sudden you're that's pretty much it, right? You got right. Russ, and then you got Paul George, and then you're down to Kyrie Irving, who's also dramatically overpriced based on his season-long production. So I think if you wind up playing George tonight, it's just because that's a position where it's easier to pay, to pay up. Uh, yep. We have him projected for 51 fantasy points on FanDuel, which is just bad on $11,400 salary, but absolute, you know, absolute numbers of points matter when you get up to that high end uh, in a way that, you know you just can't replace, you know? Like there's if there's just no one else you just pay that whoever the most expensive guy yep. is and you move
0: on with your life, you know. I think that and that it's 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 an easier decision on DraftKings where he's under 10,000. He's 1100 less than Westbrook on DraftKings. So there's like pretty dramatic price differences on these of yeah. just going between the sites and it ends up all Because of those two, because of all the different considerations, it ends up just become he becomes a play on both sides because of that, right? He's cheap enough on DraftKings. So you're okay with the multi position eligibility because he qualifies a power forward there, then you just are fine with it. And then, like you said, small forward is one of the places on FanDuel where it's just a little we're just going to end up having to spend the money somewhere. And it just seems like that's going to be the case. So I think it's going to just all come out in the wash that he is a play. I will say I'm with you that his scoring is probably not sustainable going forward. He's been shooting something like 55. I'm doing the quick math in my head. It's like 55 to 60% from three over the last four games. And that Mm. is just not going to continue. But he is also just taking a ton of shots. He's taken 24, 21, 18 and 21 shots in the last four games. So the usage rate has more than been there for him. I think it will maintain that's Clearly, the way that they want to play their offense now, and everyone seems pretty comfortable with it too, and that it's easy to get comfortable and stuff when you just win games. Like they've won six in a row, and are looking like a pretty good team. So it's long been the problem of like sustaining another expensive guy in the Russell Westbrook world because it's just he'll take all the shots. That's not really hasn't been the case. And Westbrook played 38 minutes last game against Orlando, only took 12 shots. Like still triple doubled. (laughs) He had 23, 14, and 14 with only 12 shots. So congrats to him, but. We haven't really seen that in the past. So I think that the fact that they're able to defer some of the offense, I, I feel okay with it. And like we said, we're going to wait on the Adams news. They did start uh, Noel last game, and they started Diallo at shooting guard. So um, we'll just have to kind of have to wait and see what happens with the rest of these plays. But I think in the end, the core of Westbrook and uh, George as your cash game just rolling those two guys out in cash games, even in a bad matchup, like against Miami, is going to make sense. What about the Miami side? I uh, uh, James Johnson. A lot of people played him, and they just did the they did the Miami disappearing act again. I, we did not play him. Thank God, uh, like because we just he were was close though.
1: It took a it took an act of God to get him out of there. It was that was a, I was actually dying laughing because I saw him at thirty. It was like thirty five percent ownership in yep. cash, and we had Kendrick Williams uh, as our kind of cheap lock for the power forward position. And when I saw that, I was like, hmm. How do I feel about this? And then very quickly I was reminded that you don't need to worry about what Miami says about the starting lineup. Oh, yeah. 12 fantasy points. Unplayable. You're not going to play this guy in any situation outside of, like, a two-game slate.
0: All right, let's move on to the 9 o'clock slate here. Uh, Atlanta goes in and plays Utah. Utah's 11.5-point favorites against a Hawks team that uh, is fully in the tank, but also, thankfully, plays really fast and plays really bad defense, and they're a good DFS matchup. Where do we rank guys like Donovan Mitchell on this slate, Grudu, Gobert? Uh, to a lesser extent, Joe Ingles. Ricky Rubio's back, but not playing a ton of minutes. Is this a spot where we want to roster some of these Jazz guys? It's a great matchup. Um, they've also just played with the same rotations for some time now. And that and the reason I say that is because that's usually when you get regular pricing on everybody. And that can typically right. not lead to a lot of value. But I can, I know if, if Nerlens Noel doesn't play, Rudy Gobert is kind of the next guy up in our system. And that's even with Paul George and Westbrook in the lineups, too. Where do you stand on the Jazz here?
1: Yeah, so I'd rather play Jokic. I think if I wasn't going to play Nerlens Noel, I think I'd rather pay up at center than pay up at small forward for Paul George. I also think Jokic's floor, in my mind, is just higher than Gobert's. Um, just because, again, the Jazz are happy to pull Gobert when things go haywire. Uh, that being said, I think I still do see some value on the Jazz at shooting guard. I think Donovan Mitchell, you know, it's been sort of an up and down ride for him, but he's off peak prices in a peak sort of matchup so again it, it's not something that you don't show up to this slate just because you're so excited to play donovan mitchell against the hawks but as a reasonable pay up option if for some reason you don't want to play george or if the value shows up elsewhere or if we don't get the value we expect out of the shooting guard spot between guys like say Monty morris and alonzo Trier that i think will wind up having significantly high ownership tonight if both get the start then sure mitchell's a, a totally playable option to me
0: yeah, I think that that's really where it lands. Is like he just is just he's just listed at the wrong position. He's listed the correct position for him, but like it's just for this slate, it's just the wrong position because I don't think that's where yeah, we're going to need to. We're not going to need to allocate salary into that spot. I, I, I'm I'm okay on Gobert here. I think that. Um, you know, Atlanta's a good matchup. In the old, I, I'm not going to factor this into projections at all. There's, I, there, I suspect there's some chip on the shoulder piece because one thing that's come out in the last uh, few days is that he did, was not selected for the All-Star team. And there, if you look at win, he, like, leads the NBA in win shares. Um, he's, like, over-hardened right now just because of how insanely good he is on defense. And it's just a sh- signal that like, the is still not valuing that in the same way they <laughs> they should because, like, you know, even, like, the coach, went cra- Quinn Snyder, went crazy, like, in the media, like, basically just cursing everybody, saying that how could you not – how can you not look at these stats and say, this guy's not an all-star. It's like, it's egregious that he's, that you're not looking at all the correct things when it comes to basketball, like people that are supposed to be good basketball line. So I don't think that really factors into his projection. And I think there's probably some chip on, <laughs> some chip on his shoulder, um, especially when contract incentives go around being part of an all-star team, and you probably should have been a part of an all-star team, and then you're not. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a there's a, a little sub narrative going on uh for tonight's game. And the, on the Atlanta side, I'm not interested in playing any of these guys. The bad matchup. They just play everyone 30 minutes. Like they're getting Bays more back. I, like that just doesn't. This is not. Doesn't really move the needle for yeah. me at all. All right, final game. 10 o'clock, Houston goes in and plays Denver. Really one, if you're a basketball fan, should be a good one to tune in for. Uh, Denver is four and a half point home favorites. Denver playing just about as good of basketball as anyone in the league right now, even with some of the injury issues that they've dealt with. Jamal Murray is not going to play tonight. And Monte Morris did finally, I say finally, because they've just been trying to figure out what to do in the, in the Jamal Murray when he's out, like is it Will Barton and Torrey Craig. Like they weren't really exactly sure what they were going to do. Finally, just said you know Morris has been playing so well off the bench let's just start him and they just played him the whole game last game they played him like 40 minutes yep. uh, and he was excellent so it went something like 10x at his price 27 and 7 do you think one are we safe projecting him for like 38 minutes in this game I, I this is the only question for me now is what are the what are the max minutes that we can expect out of Monte Morris in this game and, and something of a tougher matchup against Harden and Chris Paul what are your thoughts here on Denver
1: yeah, so the price increase on Morris doesn't scare me if he winds up being in the same role. I mean, we just saw so much from him last game, being able to contribute in all phases of the game, uh, rebounding the ball well, passing the ball well, and of course scoring as well. That I think you don't sweat the matchup too much. I think you just look at this as a pretty classic price and opportunity mismatch. And I think if Morris were subject to this amount of playing time and opportunity normally he would be like mid fives pushing 6,000 so I just don't worry like in that case you just don't worry about the matchup too much I guess you could theoretically worry about blowout risk if that were a potential consideration here Uh, but it's not neither on our system side or as far as Vegas is concerned Um, outside of Morris on the Denver side there this is a kind of a weird team to me because you've seen significant ownership out of multiple different guys you know both Gary Harris and Will Barton have seen north of fifty percent ownership on various slates recently. Both have sort of struggled to hit those notes. Do you think we're getting too many cooks in the kitchen in the uh, in the non-Monty Morris kind of wing spot for Denver right now, or is there a particular guy that you're liking right now?
0: Yeah, I love Harris here. Um, I think he's a. Per- I wrote this up last night, but he's to me fits the perfect bill of a guy, the exact guy I want to buy right now because his price is really not moving even though the minutes are going up. And the reason the price isn't moving is because he's running so bad from the field in terms of shooting. And we've just seen sure. historically that this is just a th- thing that just a time and time again, it, this corrects for guys, right? Like it just, he's just not gonna continue to shooting 20% from three. Like he's taking five threes a game, he's hitting one of them, since he basically, since he came back from injury, that's just not gonna continue unless you think he's actually just still playing injured and there's something really wrong with him. This, th- these guys are, the hit, time has just told us, uh, given us a million examples of you don't do this forever and eventually it turns around. So his minutes, the fact that they've increased something like 10 to 20% game over game over the last 5 has me and and by the way, this is he's just the kind of guy you want to play against the Rockets because he can defend multiple guard positions and like that that is very helpful when it comes to guys like James Harden and Chris Paul. I think that we could see one max minutes out of him because they've been trending that way since the injury and if you if this is the game where he just kind of pulls it back together and shoots 35% from 3 instead of 20%, then you're looking at a pretty significant upside for him. So I, I I think he's really just kind of, to me, the perfect play. And I understand that it has not been there for him in the short term. And it's strictly because the shot isn't falling and is this the game that turns around? It might not be. It eventually will be, but I, I love Harris here. I'm less bullish on Barton, mostly because the minutes really just disappeared for him. When they moved Monte Morris into the starting lineup, that was yeah. the, the Barton. Barton's minutes were actually the first to go. And that is well, a little...
1: Barton was supposed to be kind of like the uh, sort of the fill-in combo point guard type guy. And yep. Morris obviously just filled that role last game. But about Harris, though, a, a quick note is that he is still questionable for tonight's game with the groin. So if you don't hear any news, I feel like that play winds up taking on a significant amount of risk is the last game on the slate you could very well not hear definitive news before a lock. So be sure you're paying close attention to that.
0: Yep, and uh, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't I had not, I had missed that note. Jokic, I could see him be having a pretty high ownership here. We know that Houston does, cannot really defend the center position at all which is what you're going to get when you get Kenneth Freed starting as your center and then the corpse of Nene that comes in after him and then whatever else they're going <laughs> to do. So there's really nothing in the way that there's, these guys really, in terms of Jokic, aren't even really speed bumps in terms of slowing him down, I don't think. Uh, I think you could just see them pound. The ball to him over and over and over again. If this was one of his highest usage games, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised. It's just such an enormous. He he creates mismatches for almost everybody in the NFL. Uh, I almost said NFL uh, mismatches for everyone in the NBA, and this one is a really really stark one. So I'm not sure we fully accounted for that in our system, um, but I can see him. I, I'm, if anything, I think his projection will trend up over the course of the day as we kind of just dial in some of our other inputs, and then finally on the rocket side, of four and a half point underdogs. Harden has basically even with Chris Paul back, he's still they really haven't changed the approach uh, of what they what what was kind of working for them when, when he was going. he still took 32 shots in 19 excuse me 39 minutes and 32 shots last game even with chris paul back is he still a guy that we because you know we were less bullish on playing him with paul back but then i don't know he still got to the line 10 times took 18 threes he took more shots last game than than games where paul wasn't there what are your thoughts here on harden
1: yeah i'm not super high on harden on this price point I, you know i get the the overall fantasy production was there, but what I'm keying in on is Paul's assist numbers. So, Paul, 15 assists across two games where he played just 25 and a half minutes per game. Uh, right now, Paul's listed is questionable. He's also only been playing 25 minutes a game, mm-hmm. like I mentioned. Um, if Paul winds up playing, you, you have to think at some point those minutes are going to come back up to where they were in the low 30s. Uh, and when that happens, I think that will be a sign that he's able to take on more of the offensive load. And uh, I don't think the plan, I mean, maybe the plan just is this in Houston. Maybe they don't see themselves as realistic title contenders. So this is about building a historic season for Harden. Uh, If they actually do want to make a significant playoff run, they just can't burn Harden on both ends 41 minutes a game for the entire season and go barreling into the playoffs that way. So I'm still waiting for the other two to drop there. If Paul were to sit, obviously that all goes out the window and you just play Harden probably you don't think twice about it, uh, given that you see the slight price decrease. And that this should be a close game, but tough matchup. The likely availability of Paul, I think I'd rather prioritize other payoff options that are just cheaper too.
0: Yep, I think that that pretty much sums it up for me. And at some point, like I said, like you said, they're going to need to just dial back Harden's minutes if they if they want to make a deeper playoff run. He just can't really sustain this unless unless their motivations are like you said to just keep. To make him so he has like a Will Chamberlain like season or something like that. He ends up again like this, in this crazy <laughs> upper tier of guys who have never really scored at this pace. Uh, I do I do not think that's the they're almost too smart to do that. So I I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. All right, we're gonna get out of here. DFSR.com slash deals is going to get you a po- the podcast listener a special deal on our premium membership uh, that includes optimal lineups for NBA DraftKings, FanDuel, Yahoo includes yeah uh, ya- excuse me uh, NHL projections and the optimizers as well free premium or excuse me. Uh, Members only premium chat room, which our users really like. It's all under one package, so go check that out. DFSR slash DFSR.com slash deals. We're also going to record a Super Bowl prop podcast here in the next half hour, so go look for that on our football feed. I think that's it, buddy. Enjoy your Friday in the NBA. Later.
1: Fall is finally here and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out, hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only. The House of Roll journeys far and wide to bring you exceptional quality kitchen and bath fixtures. In all of this, you'll see the details of your own story. The story of a life well-crafted. Welcome to the House of Roll.